to existence through a big bang followed by millions of years of evolution? Or was it created by God about 6,000 years ago in six days? Which is the best explanation of the world we see around us, special creation or evolution? And does it really make any difference? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy. Showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest with us today who I know is going to be a very special blessing to all of you. His name is Mike Riddle, and he is the founder and director of a wonderful ministry called the Creation Training Initiative. Mike, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Thank you, David. It's a privilege to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you. And folks, uh, uh, something that I need to explain to you is I was going to introduce Mike as an ex-Marine, but he told me that if I did so, he would make me do 20 push-ups on camera. He explained that once a Marine, always a Marine, no such thing as an ex-Marine, right? Thank you, David. Okay. (laughs) Well, Mike, uh, your ministry has a rather unusual name, the Creation Training Initiative. Explain that for us. Well, Dave, there's, there's other ministries out there that do creation. There are great ministries like the Institute for Creation Research, Answers in Genesis, and there's a lot of local organizations around the country. But what we've done is started this ministry to take the next step, and that is actually train others to do what we're doing. It's called replicating ourselves, biblical discipleship. We do the seminars, we do the weekend seminars, but what we do is training courses. We have full-day training courses that we implement. And why we're doing this is we're tired of seeing over 70% of our youth, our teens, leaving the church before they finish school. That's an epidemic we have in this country in Christianity. And these are students who have been in Christian schools, even in Sunday school for 12 years. Why is that happening? They don't have confidence in the Bible anymore. They don't see answers in the Bible. So we started these courses, and they're full-day training courses. You come take a course such as basic creation training, and what you do is you get a 100-page manual, we feed you lunch, we feed you snacks, <laughs> and they're certified for continuing education units. And the thing is, we will come to you, and it doesn't cost the church anything to have these. We charge per individual. So we're trying to get this information out. We even have a course specific for teachers where we train you, what does the Bible have to say about teachers and how mm-hmm. to teach? We even have a third course called Advanced Creation Apologetics where we train you to take the next step in evangelism, how to talk to a Ph.D. scientist and not have to know anything about the science and bring down the strongholds. Well, I compliment you on that. Uh, it's, it's very important. And something that we've always had a heart for in this ministry to replicate, in, and we've done it primarily by helping others establish uh, ministries that focus on Bible prophecy. We've done five of those so far, and then help train them uh, to communicate the message. So, God bless you in, well, in you. what you're trying to do. Nathan, how about kicking off with the first question All here? All right. Well, great to have you here, Mike. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> All right. Well, one question we get a lot, and I even read it today on our YouTube channel. Yes. People are always bashing Christians for a belief that, well, science has proven the earth is millions and millions of years old, so why don't we just get off this young earth thing and just accept science for it is? How do you respond to people like that? That is a very big one out there. Is that the people do believe, not only non-believers, unfortunately there's many Christians out there, believers, who think the scientists have proven the earth is billions of years old. 
Well, that becomes from a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding of the limits of science. Scientists cannot prove the age of the Earth. Hmm. In other words, we, we divide science into two main areas. One is called observational science or operational science. That's how we build our jet engines, how we do our medical technology, how we do computers. That's things, those are things we can observe, we can touch and feel. But then there's another area of science called origins science or historical science. Those are the things that happened in the past. We were not there to observe them happening. Therefore, we have to piece the clues together. In other words, it's based on assumptions or our interpretation of the evidence. And that's what people do not understand. The scientists cannot prove the age of the earth. Incidentally, what they're not looking at, there's an overwhelming amount of scientific evidence that shows this earth is very young. Hmm. But the real issue for believers is they're not starting with the Bible. See, when I read the Bible, it starts off with God created everything in six days. And he uses the word day there. And what God did to make sure we'd understand there were little days, he put a number with each day. First day, second day, third day, fourth day. Well, I like to ask people, how many times did God use a number with the word day in the Old Testament? And it's 410 times. And not one of those occasions doesn't mean a long period of time. But God even made it easier for us. He defined his days, <laughs> evening and morning, first day, mm-hmm. evening and morning, and second day. Everywhere in the Old Testament, we see the phrase evening and morning only means a day. But God didn't stop there. What a wonderful God we have. Amen. When he wrote down the Ten Commandments, commandment number four, he wrote this down. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Therefore, I like that word, therefore, if we don't accept God's days of creation as being literal days, then commandment number four doesn't mean what it really says, and it's open to our interpretation. And if commandment number four is open to our interpretation, how can we trust the other nine? Four being the Sabbath. Right. Yeah. By giving up our foundation in Genesis, we have now given up a literal interpretation of the Ten Commandments. This the, is a serious issue. There was one observer of the creation. Yes. And yeah. he has told us how he did it. Exactly. But there are no scientists who observe that. No, exactly. Very so good. they really haven't proved. No, they cannot prove the age of the earth. They, what they do is they find evidence, and we all look at the same evidence, then we interpret what we see. Yeah. And we interpret based on our worldview, our starting point. And as for me, I start with God's Word as my authority. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. How, uh, what sort of background do you have that, uh, uh, that gives you some authority in this area? Well, one of the things that helps me, uh, unfortunately, I was a slow learner. I, I grew up an evolutionist. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was not even a Christian until I was 30 years old. Wow. So I understand the evolution and their arguments very well. I could use them in churches, and it was very easy to take a church off track because they were not well trained in this. Mm-hmm. So I've got the background in the evolution, and I've got background in some of the sciences. I have degrees in mathematics and education. But, you know, my most important aspect I have is my credentials. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I accept God's Word as my authority. That's my number one credential. I have the math. I have, the ed- I have degrees in education. I've got uh, a vast experience in computer technology. That's where I get all my logical thinking from, the math and the computer science. But those are some of my, that's part of my background there. How did you get started in this? Well, having grown up an evolutionist, uh, I was also, I, I'll put it this way, I used to be an athlete. If everybody understands what that means, I used to be an athlete. It's called, uh, there's a law of science called uh, thermodynamics that tends to take you downhill a little bit. (laughs) Yes. So that happens to all of us. I I, I realize that when I look in the mirror every morning. Yeah. But um, 
One day I was in the gymnasium lifting weights, and I had a man come up and sit down beside me. And this man started giving me the gospel. And he asked me some questions. But you know, at that time, I had no interest in God. And so I ignored everything he had to tell me. But seven years after that, I was in a motel room on a trip, business trip and computers at the time. I finally understood that man's message. And that's the night in that hotel room I got on my knees to profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But you know, before I went to sleep that night, I had a strong desire to teach the book of Genesis, which I had not even read I mean, yet. immediately. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So I reached into the drawer in that hotel room and pulled out the Bible and began reading the book of Genesis. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. This is not what I was taught in university. Mm-hmm. If I cannot trust the first chapter in this Bible, there's no reason to read the rest of it. So, or some of what I was taught in universities was not true. I had the opportunity to travel all over the country, not stop stop and talk to these professors and scientists and I soon found a pattern to their answers about evolution they had a lot of wonderful stories but not one of them could directly answer my questions mm-hmm. so I thought here's these people that are very intelligent very intelligent couldn't answer my basic questions so why should I believe in evolution because when I turned to the Bible I found the answers Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of creationism with our special guest, Mike Riddle. Mike, I got a question for you. I want to know, what does it matter? I mean, why should a Christian care whether they believe in evolution or the young earth? I mean, how is that even practical to our daily life? Well, that's, that's a great question because we don't get into a lot of churches to teach this message because they don't see it as a real issue. Yeah. But let me give you four points on this, why it really does make a difference. Uh, point number one is the authority of God's Word. When do we believe it? When do we not believe it? In other words, if we don't believe God is the creator of all things, then we believe in evolution. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people are. They've tried to combine the two. But point number two is, Genesis is foundational to almost every single one of our Christian doctrines. In other words, Genesis gives us the definition of marriage. That is, between one man and one woman. If we don't believe Genesis is real history, what's our definition of marriage? Well, we have to go with what the world says. Genesis gives us a definition about human life, the sanctity of human life. In other words, if you want to believe in abortion, you can just throw away Genesis. But if you want to believe in the sanctity of human life, that we were made in the image and likeness of God, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that comes right from there. In other words, that tells us that we're not animals. In other words, in a biology classroom, we're taught humans are nothing more than an animal with higher intelligence. Mm -hmm. But if we accept the book of Genesis... We are fearfully and wonderfully made, made his image and likeness, and we're not animals. We're special. So there's the first two points. Third point is a very important one. Without Genesis, we don't have a gospel. Mm-hmm. You see, there's really four parts to the gospel. The central part of the gospel is Jesus Christ. That is the main part of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, God, came down to this planet. His son, fully man, suffered and died on that cross and was raised from the dead. But I have a question. Why did he have to shed his blood? Mm -hmm. We have to go back to the book of Genesis to get the rest of the story. And the story starts with God's creation in six days. And in Genesis 1.31, he called it very good. Perfect. No blemish. Perfect. So that's the first part of the gospel is God, his creation. Second part is man. We're the problem. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that rebelled against his perfect creation. We're the ones that fell into sin and became separated from God. 
So the first part is God. Second part is man. We're the problem. The third part is Jesus Christ, which is God's solution to our problem. Then there's the fourth part, a very important one, our response. It is not what we can do, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not what we can do. It's what God has already done for us, and he did it on the cross. Those are the four parts of the gospel, and the first two are in the book of Genesis. And that first point you made is one that I like to emphasize over and over and over again. The validity of God's Word is at stake here. If we can't believe the beginning, why should we believe uh, believe the ending? Why should we believe in the resurrection? Why should we believe in any part of it? W.A. Criswell, the former uh, renowned pastor of First Baptist Church, said so many people today have a leopard method of interpretation of the Bible. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, they claim the Bible is inspired only in spots, and they know those spots. (laughs) And the spots they agree with. Exactly right. But you know there's a fourth one here. I want to get this fourth one. And that is the relationship of sin and death. If we're believing in evolution, and what evolution stands on is this idea of billions of years. If this earth is billions of years old, what was going on for those billions of years before Adam and Eve? Mm -hmm. And the answer would be death, decay, and disease. All of that would have been happening before sin. So a belief in evolution in billions of years is a belief in death before sin. Now, why did Jesus have to go to the cross and physically conquer death? That's an important issue, and it affects the gospel. It certainly is. Very practical. Very practical. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Scientists say the universe began with a big bang, an explosion. What are the problems with that theory? Well, the first problem is nowhere do we see that in the Bible. And the next thing we have to understand, what is the big bang and why was it invented? Well, the big bang was originally invented to explain everything in this universe without a creator. That's the first big problem. The second problem is there's, it does not agree with science. And this is where a lot of people are going astray. Yeah. It does not agree with science. There are many scientific evidences that refute the Big Bang. Now, one of the things I like to do in one of our courses, and I do it in one of my regular talks, is talk about this is what they're teaching in school, and this is what they're not teaching in school. Mm-hmm. In other words, what we find in our public education system is they're teaching evolution and not real science anymore. For example, let's talk about the Big Bang. There's a starting question we begin with. Where did the matter come from to create the Big Bang? I was going to say, what exploded? Yes, mm-hmm. because you can't have something go bang until you have something that can go bang. Yeah, That's just exactly. common sense and logic. A second question is, what caused it to explode? Those questions are not allowed to be asked in a lot of our university classrooms. But then we have the other problems. Did you know the Big Bang does not explain the origin of stars? Stars do not form by naturalistic processes. No one's ever observed a star come from anywhere. Hmm. So where did they all come from? Well, we get this idea from our textbooks. We get these great big gas and dust clouds called nebula. That's the Mm -hmm. fancy term. Mm -hmm. We'll just call them gas and dust. And they rotate around and around and around. As they rotate around and around, we're told they gravitation collapse inward, and after a period of time, they will form a star. A dust cloud. But I give a a technical term to that. That's called baloney. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we know. I didn't know that was a technical term. Yes, it is. It's a very technical term. They use that one. See, we know, and we can do this in experiments in a classroom, Mm -hmm. that as a gas cloud does rotate around, it will begin to gravitation collapse inward. But you know what happens as it collapses inward? It generates heat pressure. And we can measure this that heat pressure is always stronger than the gravity and always causes the cloud to expand outward. So we have no scientific proof how stars form. It's all conjecture based on evolutionism. So they don't have that. Then we have things called spiral galaxies. These are our galaxies rotating around out there. 
And our Milky Way is a, is a spiral right. galaxy. But after so many rotations, they lose their spiral shape. So if these galaxies are billions of years old, they should not be spiral. So there's a problem with the Big Bang. doesn't explain that. doesn't even explain the origin of galaxies. And planets are even spinning around the wrong way too, right? right? We have planets going the wrong way. We have uh, what are called uh, supernovas. That's a fancy term for stars that exploded. They used up all their energy and explode. In our galaxy alone, this is why they don't teach this. In our galaxy alone, the Milky Way, we only find enough exploded stars for an age of about 6,000 years. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah, yes. what a coincidence. <laughs> the fact that we have comets shows our solar system has to be very young. Big Bang doesn't predict Well, you brought up stars, and, and you're talking yes. about that, and it has to be young. But wouldn't it take, because of a light year, millions of years for light from some of these stars to reach well, I Earth? Want to, I want to hold off on that. I want to hold off on that. Okay. That's another question. I want to stay with the Big Bang for a moment. Yes. Okay. Not only do we have a problem, all the problems that you mentioned, but how many explosions have you ever seen that created order? None. They, they don't do that. They haven't been in the brains. I know that for sure. <laughs> But the Big Bang, what they teach is this, it's somehow the matter got here. How it got here, we're not allowed to ask. And that matter somehow started to expand in a hot fireball. And what it is, it's an expansion of space and time and has no center and yeah. no special place. That's part of the proponents of the Big Bang right there. Okay, Nathan. Stars. Light. Takes a long time to travel. 6,000 years, not enough. How no, do you explain that? Right. When we look at that on the surface level, that looks like it would be a problem for Christians. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the situation. Uh, the Bible teaches the earth is about 6,000 years old, created in six little days. So if these galaxies out there are millions of light years away, how in the world could that light reach us mm -hmm. in only about 6,000 years? Yeah. Well, we do have possible scientific explanations. We do have some scientific explanations. They could be right. They could be wrong. We don't know. Mm. But we do forget that we have a God that can do anything. We tend to limit him too much. He could get that light here. He could have used any scientific terms. He could have used some miracles. But our God, we forget, is all-powerful and all-knowing. First of all, he created everything out of nothing. That's right. So he can get that light here. But we do have some possible scientific explanations. Yeah, what are those? Because people don't generally take the, well, God just can supernaturally do it. Answer. Yes. Well, without getting yeah. into all the details, they can get this from online, from Answers sure. and Genesis website or the Institute for Creation website. There's one called time dilation, how gravity affects time. Yeah. The greater the gravitational pull, the slower time will go. And we can measure that with using our atomic clock. So that's, that, we know that happens. So if we have a greater gravitational effect here on Earth, time could be going slower than it is out there. Those stars mm. could have aged hundreds of thousands and millions of years in just 6,000 Earth years. Mm. Now, I'm careful when I talk about that because we can get glazed eyes talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's other possible explanations. But mm. what I'd like to point out is, and here we go to this, this is what they teach and this is what they don't teach. The evolutionists have a bigger problem than we do with the distant starlight. First of all, they've got to get their light source, stars. Where did those stars come from? They just, don't, they just make up rescue mechanisms there. Hmm. But here's another problem they have. It's called the temperature of the universe. When we look out all around this universe, it seems to be what we call a homogeneous or consistent temperature. There has not been enough time in the alleged 13 billion years for the light energy from this side of the universe to have traveled over and interacted with mm -hmm. this side of the universe. In order to get a homogeneous temperature, all the light energy has to have interacted. But there has not been enough time so why is the temperature the same? Now, here's what the evolutionists do. They have answers, explanations for these things. But I'll point out, 
every one of their explanations is not based on observable science. It's what we call a rescue mechanism to rescue their philosophy. So the, the distant starlight, we both, both the believer and the non-believer, ultimately have to accept by faith. And then we have to go to, what does your faith in evolution have to offer me? And I'll tell you what my faith in Jesus Christ has to offer you. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Mike Riddle regarding the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. Mike, I got a question for you. Okay. We have Dr. David R. Reagan, and there's a Dr. David F. Reagan out there who believes in the gap theory, and people are always getting Dr. David R. Reagan mixed up. <laughs> but can you explain the gap theory for people so they, they know that we don't believe in the gap theory? What is it, and what are the verses it applies and to? And I want to say that again. I do not believe in the, <laughs> in the gap, gap theory. I have never believed in the gap theory. And Tell us about the gap theory. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, let's explain what the gap theory okay. is and why it, why it got invented. Um, in the early in the 1800s, people started believing that the Earth was old, and that's part of what Charles Darwin brought about. Uh, the, the Earth has to be old to accommodate the whole idea of philosophy of evolutionism. Well, a lot of our theologians started to cave in at this point, and said, "Well, if they've proven the Earth to be billions of years old, where are we going to put this time?" Well, they decided to invent something called a gap. So what they did, and to explain the long geologic ages in the fossil record, is they put a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Well, that reads like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. So what they do, in between those two verses, they put this gap of time of millions of years to accommodate the geologic time. And they reword it a little bit. They say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth not was, but became without form and void. Uh-huh. In other words, given the indication that God created it, something happened. Sometimes there's a lot of different versions of this. It could like be Satan's fall, Satan's flood, and, uh, destroying everything. Then, so it became without form and void. Now, we have to look at this. The word became, the verb, hayah, the Hebrew hayah there. Can it mean became? Yes, it can, but only in very specific cases. Only when it's preceded by a preposition. In this case, it's not preceded with the preposition. So it's an incorrect translation to translate that verb became rather than was. Now, another text they use is in the, in the uh, King James, the word replenish in Genesis one twenty eight, And the people who God told them to go out and replenish, given the indication that something went wrong and, God ha- and people has to, they have to refill the earth. Well, we have to understand the King James is not wrong there. We have to understand, when the King James Bible was written, the word replenish meant to fill, not refill. So we have to have a little study in grammar here. After the King James Bible was written, that verb underwent a definition change. And today it means to refill. So to translate that or make it mean we have to go out and refill is an incorrect translation today. meant to fill beginning. But there's other problems with the gap theory. If we put the long geologic ages with the fossil record between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, the problem here is this. What was going on in that gap theory? Death, decay, and disease. And again, the gap theory clearly teaches death before sin. And the Bible teaches death after sin. Romans 5-12, death came through one uh, man. How does someone like uh, Hugh Ross handle uh, this question? Well, uh, Hugh Ross's ministry, what they'll do... uh, They'll try and say that just is referring to human death. 
And Romans 5.12 does refer to just human death, but he forgets Romans 8.22, where it says, all of creation groans, which includes everything, including the animals, mm-hmm. because of one man's sin. Yes. So he misses that point. Or he'll come up and say, well, there had to be death before sin. Plants were dying. What were Adam and Eve eating from? Plants. What happens when we dig up plants and eat them? We kill them. Well, he forgets a very important part there. God gives the breath of life to humans, and he also breathes the breath of life into animals. But nowhere in the Bible does he give the breath of life to plants. Mm-hmm. Plants biologically have life because they have a cell structure. But biblically, they are not given life. So there really is no death before sin in the Bible anywhere. And there's no gap between no Genesis gap. 1 and 2. And no gap. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the theologians who uh, can't accept the young earth have got to come up with another theory. Right. And unfortunately, again, they, they discredit the authority of God's Word. Absolutely. And then they're not using good science to do that because the good science does support a very young earth. Yes. And so does the statement of the Ten Commandments where, again, yes. you, as you pointed out, it says a day is a day. And here's another one. Jesus Christ believed in a young earth. In Mark 10, verse 6, <clears throat> Jesus Christ makes this statement. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. What is Jesus saying there? Mm-hmm. Man and woman were on this planet from the beginning of the creation, not after millions of years. There's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and the eyewitness creator to all things. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope it has challenged you to think seriously about the origin of our universe. Mike, how about telling our viewers how to get in touch with you and your ministry? Well, if people want to find out more about our training courses or how to get us to come to their church or location, they can go to our website. That's creationtraining.org. All one word, creationtraining.org. And can they sign up for a newsletter there? Yes, we have electronic newsletter we're sending out, and next year we'll be coming out with a hard copy. Great. And I know that you also have a, a lot of resources like videos, and we're going to be offering one on, on this program called Apologetics 101. What are some of the topics? Well, some of the topics we cover in there are like, where did Cain get his wife? Who did he marry? How can the first three days be real days without the sun? Can we really trust the Bible when we have all this modern That's science? only three of about nine topics yes, you cover. That's right. And uh, folks, if you uh, uh, write in for that particular video, we will send you this one free of charge called The Beginning and the Ending, where I discuss creationism as well as the ending of the Bible. And so stay tuned for that particular offer at the end of our program. Would you be willing to come back next week and talk about evolutionism? It'd be a pleasure. Great. That's great, Mike. Well, folks, we hope you'll be back with us next week for another session with Mike Riddle concerning this time the issue of evolution. Until then, this is Nathan Jones speaking for myself and Dr. David R. Reagan. Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. If you enjoyed today's program, you will love Mike Riddle's Apologetics 101. This DVD is specially for a man to short segments for Houston Christian schools, Sunday school classes, and Bible studies. It'll challenge you to prepare for the tough questions facing Christians today. Get your answers to questions like, How could Adam name all the animals in one day? How could Noah fit all the animals on the ark? How can the first three days of creation be considered days when the sun was not even created until day four? Where did Cain get his wife? What about carbon-14 dating? And more. This DVD will provide you and your family with the responses to these challenging Bible questions. Apologetics 101 is available for a donation of $15 or more, plus shipping. 
Order your copy today by calling the number you see on the screen, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. And when you order this item, we will send you a complimentary copy of Dr. Reagan's video album, The Beginning and the Ending. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 